Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Welcome, everybody, to the Uncommon Drive podcast. I almost said it wrong. I am Jeff Cross, and I am here with Chad Ozy. Hey, you, Chad? everybody. I'm Man, good. Good, good, good. Uh, we, we, uh, we kind of flipped the script on you all a little bit and let me do the introduction. So I told Chad, I said, listen, you know. I'm more than just a pretty face, man. <laughs> I think I can do more things. So, I am officially part of the introduction. Um, if you are listening to us on podcast or I'm sorry, Apple Podcast or your Spotify app, could you please just take a few seconds and give us a five star rating if you would felt felt so led to do so, and if you could take just a few seconds and write us a review. That helps with the algorithm and gets our, uh, our podcast out to just a few more people. And, you know, as always, you can just take matters into your own hand and press the share button mm-hmm. and share it, text it to someone, uh, email it to someone, or just call someone and say, hey, you need to listen to the Uncommon Drive podcast. And lastly, before we get started, um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, complaints, you can email us at the Uncommon Drive podcast dot uh, at gmail.com that's so, right uncommon drive podcast at gmail.com chad 
What do you got for us today, buddy? You know what? Today's kind of fun. Uh, a few weeks ago, we did our first listener question episode, and we got tons of great feedback about that. Mm. Uh, people enjoyed the fact that uh, it was a little bit of a back and forth and multiple topics in in one time. And you know, we know we're hitting that point of the season where everybody's uh, making their drive to their next game, mm. got their stuff going on. If you're a if you're a baseball umpire uh, working on stuff, you know that, that you're at home and you're you're in the rule book, you're in the case book, prepare for the next season. So sometimes having something that just kind of hits a, a few different topics at once is is nice instead of just one thing that, that goes on for 45 or 50 minutes. And so today uh, we've got a few different questions that our listeners have given us. Now you all need to know that when we have these questions, for the most part, Jeff is not aware of the question that's going to be asked so that that way you get the true, honest gut reaction uh, yeah. to uh, to what he's being asked. And for me, that makes it fun because you don't get to see his facial expressions, but I do. <laughs> Unscripted. Uh, that's yeah. right. It makes it it makes it totally worth it. And so, Jeff, we've got some today that are just kind of fun questions. We've got some that are very practical, some that are a little bit more philosophical. I think this first one definitely hits both those. It's practical. And yet, it's a little bit about the philosophy of, of what we do uh, and how we do it. Um, the, the listener asked us, what are specific things that you do to encourage newer officials? And I like the way they use newer. Sometimes we just use the term younger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we know that there are people that are stepping into the world of officiating at lots of different points in life. They're, they're newly retired people that are looking for something to do with their time or whatever and may not always be able to do it at the same level that you're currently doing it at. But what are some very specific things that you do to encourage newer officials? Hmm. Well, I do lots of things I would like to think. Mm-hmm. I would like to think that um, the list could go long. Mm-hmm. But I think the probably the most important thing I do is I try to make myself as available and accessible as possible. Mm-hmm. Um and you know it's not so making yourself accessible and available is you know pretty easy to do, uh, but as we all know, when we first started officiating or any kind of new position, it could be a little nerve wracking, and the last thing you want to do is bother someone or have a few questions. So, um, so by making myself available, that's the easy part. I think convincing the newer official it's okay to call me. It's okay to text me. I would love to hear from you. You know, one of the things I do when I, when I get a chance to work with a younger official, um, or newer official, I apologize, Mm -hmm. a newer official, as we part our ways and we're off to the next game, I typically say a phrase that, you know, contact me anytime. Mm -hmm. If, if I can help in any way, contact me anytime. It's okay. Um, that's one thing that I do. In a camp setting, um, one of the things I do, and I think I tried to do this with everyone, but more with the, with the, with a newer official. And I use a phrase, whether my evaluation, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, I don't just throw it out there with anybody, but I do try to, you know, if I feel like they're doing a decent job, I, say, I usually say a phrase that uh, resembles I would work with you any day of the week, mm-hmm. you know, or if I was giving out games, I'd give you one, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, just to encourage them a little bit more. Um, 
as I, as I, we're going to go a little bit further in this question. So, so if I'm with someone who is maybe not necessarily newer, but started trying to reach uh, uh, an elevation in their game, maybe some division one or maybe a different league, whatever it might be. And I was their clinician. I would try and use a phrase like, it would not surprise me if you and I are working together someday. Mm. You know, those are the kind of things I like to say that I, I so shy away from the, the, the mundane responses. Yeah. You're doing a good job. Just keep plugging away. You'll be fine. That's, mm-hmm. that's, it's, it goes in one ear out the other. Mm-hmm. And if we can find different ways to express those things, I believe we have a better chance of getting a response. We have a better chance of, you know, them feeling a little bit more, you know, I don't want to say entitled, but, you know, um, empowered mm-hmm. to, to, to really, I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for this, you know, and it, it shouldn't mean that much coming from Jeff Cross or anyone. It, I guess that's my point. It doesn't make a difference who it's coming from. I think it just needs to come from someone who is, as we said, you know, weeks ago in podcasts is where they want to be. Mm-hmm. And we need to say that to someone who wants to be where we want to be. So I think that's. Oh, you know, and I think that's great. And I think for so many of us, that could be applicable across lots of different levels. There are multiple college officials out there. And I don't care if it's baseball, softball, basketball, football, whatever, mm-hmm. that still occasionally work lower levels. I know tons of people that work division one women's college basketball games that still work Friday night, high mm. school boys, varsity basketball. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And so that conversation that you have, you know, I, I, I can see us working a game together this year. And you may be talking about a, a high school varsity <laughs> game, right? You know, because right now they're working JV and mm-hmm. you're working with that newer person in your area. Yep. And to them, what an amazing thing to get mm-hmm. to work with an official that, that works those kinds of levels. Yeah. Um, and the one thing that I will add to this that I think is really important, um, one of the things that I do to encourage newer officials is have conversations with other people about them, mm. which may not seem like a direct encouragement. Mm-hmm. But for instance, uh, a lot of times we ask everybody at the end of the game, hey, where are you working tomorrow? Mm-hmm, right? Right, so right. the first question is where, and then the next question is always, who, who are you working with, <laughs> that's right? right, that's right. <laughs> it's either going to be a celebration or it's going to be a groan or it's going to be <laughs> right. something. You never want to be the person that people groan about. That's right. Um, but uh, the other day I had somebody say, well, hey, I'm working with so-and-so. I'm like, hey, I just worked with them a couple days ago. Hey, I want you to know they're going to work really hard. Mm-hmm. They're going to soak up everything that you've got. They're going to do that. So now, instead of that person walking into a game with a newer official going, oh, man, I don't know what I'm walking into, mm-hmm. whatever. Now they're excited about working with that newer official mm-hmm. and more likely to then encourage that, new, you know, see, hey, Chad said, you know, I was really going to have a blast working with you tonight. Mm-hmm. Well, now that person knows they are being talked about in positive ways, yeah. not just in front of them. I had a coordinator call me this last week. Uh, I was crew chief on a junior college game, had a newer official working, and uh, they they called and asked me some very specific questions. And I answered those very, very honestly. And then at the end, they said, hey, anything you want to add? I said, I, I, think, I think this person is really coachable. Mm-hmm. And the coordinator's response to me was, well, we can work with that. Mm-hmm. You know, so again, it was just a small way for me to, I'm, I'm not giving that person those games, 
But if that coordinator knows and that coordinator trusts me, and I say, hey, this is this is somebody that wants to learn to do it the right way and wants to learn to, to get better. Um, so then I'm not just taking something I'm giving them directly, but mm-hmm. it's also something that hopefully can be an encouragement to them behind the scenes as well. Sure. Yeah. I think that's great. I mean, and I, we, I think we probably all do that mm-hmm. in some way, shape or form, but I think to make a conscious effort to do it mm-hmm. is, is very uncommon. And I'm going to start putting that into my game. Yeah. Yeah. It's big. Um, question number two today. Mm-mm. And, uh, Jeff, you, you you all need to understand the disease that Jeff deals with. <laughs> this Christmas itis that he's got is just crazy, it and uh, Jeff has a blast with it. If you watch any of his social media, there'll mm. be pictures of Christmas trees mm. between now and New Year's, mm. every place that he goes, and all that kind of thing. Mm. But we also know that as we approach the holiday season, it also means we're beginning to deal with winter weather, especially mm. in the Midwest. Mm. And I know that we have people listening to us in Puerto Rico and California and Florida and all over the place where you're not dealing with our winter weather. But for those of us in the Midwest, um, this this becomes a time where, where travel gets more difficult. So one of our listeners asked this, what do you change about your travel routines as the winter weather gets worse? Mm-hmm. Good question. Good question. A um, couple things. Some of these could have probably either sound, you know, pretty ordinary that where you may be like, I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. If I can, I will get as close as I can to my next game the night before. Okay. If I can, knowing winter's coming, right? Um, I will sacrifice a few more hours away from my family to make sure I can just whatever stay in that hotel that's going to put me closer. As weather is bad, if it's bad and it's going to be bad at night and in daytime, I travel during the daytime. I know that puts me a little bit further behind, but I feel like it's safer for me to drive during the daytime. Um, there's just, you know, the plows had a chance, you know, all that stuff. Uh, when the weather's bad, I am always on the radar, watching radar, trying to figure out what it's going to be doing, how bad it's going to get, those kind of things. Um, another thing that I do, if the weather is bad, whether I'm the crew chief or not, and let's just say maybe I get into that town the night before, I'll communicate with my crew. Hey, Weather's bad, you know, they're calling for whatever, four inches, five inches of snow. I've arrived in the city that we're supposed to be in. I drove in last night or whatever it is a day early. So no one has to worry about it. I'm there, mm-hmm. you know, to take care of yourself and I'll, you know, keep you posted on whatever that might be. Now that can backfire, right? Because you can get to a place and maybe there is too much snow and then a the game gets canceled. Sure. That can backfire. But this is the job I've chosen. So I want to, I take great pride in making every single one of my games. Um, so if that means me sleeping a few less hours, then so be it. Um, mm-hmm. Or less time at home, whatever that might be. Um, there was one other thing, though, that I think, oh, in Chicago, you know, Midwest, or in any Midwest, even Ohio, uh, Michigan, um, I feel like there's a couple other cities that have toll roads. Mm-hmm. When in doubt, I take the toll road during bad roads during bad weather because I know they will be cleared off because they, they want to make the money from the tolls. That's right. They don't make any money if the roads are closed. Mm-hmm. So I always take toll roads whenever possible. Um, and I'm going to add a little bit more to this question. So if in, you know, in the city of Chicago or any kind of high traffic city area, 
where we have local lanes and express lanes. In the city of Chicago, we have local lanes, which means, you know, you're going to have multiple exits in the mm -hmm. express lane. You're not going to see another exit for five miles, and then you'll get a chance to get off and get to the locals. Always take the locals. Even though it looks faster on the other side, or maybe it's jam-packed everywhere. If it's jam-packed everywhere, I want to be on the local side. That way I can always get off anywhere and maybe, you know, it's whatever, it's a parking lot. I can get off and maybe go through a few city blocks to get further down so that way I have a better chance to make it a game. I know that doesn't it really apply to winter weather, but that is something that I, I purposely try to do. Um, but those are the big ones, I think. Yeah, and of course, you know, Jeff's speaking to this as a Division One official mm. who's going from Division One game to Division One game to Division One game. Mm -hmm. uh, put that in perspective for you all. Uh, like, when, when you had the Thanksgiving holiday, mm-hmm. You worked a game the day before Thanksgiving. Wednesday, yep. Mm -hmm. You worked a game the day after Thanksgiving. Friday, yep. And then you worked a game on Sunday. Correct. And because of where those games were, you basically just needed to travel from game to game, and you had a gap day in between. Mm -hmm. um, so didn't get to spend Thanksgiving with your family. Nope. Even the Saturday of the holiday weekend, you know, you're you're traveling from Minnesota to Michigan, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, and so it's, it's a little different. If you're somebody um, that's working junior college basketball, you're working uh, division three, division two, some high school mixed in with that or whatever, you may not always have the flexibility to just say, well, I'm going to grab a hotel tonight and then right. drive to my next place the next morning. But there are some things that you can do to change things up with the winter weather. If, uh, if I have a Saturday game, for instance, someplace and I had a partner that was nearby and we were going to ride together. Uh, if that partner has time limitations that don't allow them to leave significantly earlier because of the winter weather, I'll make the decision to travel separately. Mm -hmm. um, because again, I want to make sure there's at least, <laughs> you know, a couple of us that are there and mm -hmm. ready to go. In fact, I know a couple coordinators that prefer during winter weather for their crews to travel separately because if a crew's traveling together and one of them gets drug off the road other people can still you know yeah. th if they're together then then everybody's missing the game <laughs> right you know another thing that i do especially at the lower levels is i make sure that my blocks and notes for different coordinators give my location that day here's why that's important um I work for uh, Randy Fox. I work for Missy Brooks. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's say that uh, I am working for Randy Fox somewhere in North Central Illinois. Okay. And uh, I have a Saturday one o'clock game. Uh, I will put in my stuff for Missy. Hey, I'm working for Randy Fox at 1 p.m. at such and such a location. Well, now all of a sudden... Uh, Missy has a Saturday game at three o'clock and there's been an issue with officials and the officials are all off the road and she's immediately scrolling through her people to see, can anybody get there? Mm -hmm. Right. And she knows I'm an hour away from that site and the earliest I'm going to be done is 3 PM. Right. Well, if she's got two schools waiting to work a game, waiting to have a game and she communicates with them and says, look, we can do one of two things. We can either cancel the game because we have no officials, or 
if you can bump that start time back to five o'clock, mm -hmm. I can get officials to you, mm -hmm. right? And in those emergency situations, coordinators are fine with you working a second game in a day sure. because it's an emergency. It's not a normal. That's not what we normally do. That's right. not how we normally schedule things. But that is a great thing for us to do is just make sure that all of your stuff is very clearly in there so that those coordinators know where you're at in case of emergency. I've even done this before, knowing bad weather's coming. I've even contacted my coordinator and said, hey, I know bad weather's coming. I, and I'm off today. Uh -huh. Are you okay if I start heading to my game site for tomorrow? Okay. And they'll say, yes, go, go. Get there. That's fine. I got today covered. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Or they may say, hold up. Don't leave yet because I might need you for somewhere tonight. Yeah. And that's fine. But I think that's simple communication. You know, what would you prefer me to do? Mm -hmm. And, you know, they may or may not have a, have an opinion, but I think that's something we could do. Um, and I, I have to go back. To, I had another thought, but I forgot what it was. We'll go ahead and move on. All right. Good. Here we go. I love this one. Uh, this one came directly out of one of our podcasts this last week. The listener question says, what are specific phrases or actions that you use to take a breath when the intensity of a game amps up? We talked about in our Working Close Games mm -hmm. uh, episode that we did that you know sometimes we just need to allow people to take a breath, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, and we talked about a few things in that episode, but you know, maybe people haven't heard that episode yet, or maybe they're looking for some additional things. What are some either key phrases that you use or some key actions that you take just to help everybody take a breath? Ooh, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. Um, I'm going to have to table phrases for now. Okay. But actions, I think I, you know, I can, I can do. Okay. Um, action might be something as simple as counting players more than once. Mm -hmm. That gives me an extra two or three seconds. Action might be asking to get a towel to wipe the floor because there's some sweat on it. Um, action might be noticing that a player's shoelace is a little untied and asking them to tie it why we're stopped. Um, those kind of things. Um, action of asking, uh, you know, letting a player know, hey, you can run the baseline if you want to. Uh, or an action of telling the player, you're going to have to hold your spot. Even though I typically do that in most spots, but maybe I might do that a little bit more deliberately during mm -hmm. high-intensity times where everyone's like, let's just slow it down a bit. Um, an action of checking in with my partners before I inbound the ball. I don't assume they're ready. Um, a lot, again, a lot of the stuff I do normally, but mm -hmm. even more so, it's necessary. Um, the action of when a sub comes in, look at that other table. Make sure they don't want to match this sub. Mm -hmm. Give it all those extra beats that we need that is so important that the game needs just a little bit of breath um, between players, coaches, and even officials. So I don't, I don't know. I'm really trying to think of some phrases that I would use. Uh, I, I'll use phrases like slow and steady wins the race. Mm -hmm. um, I use phrases like we need to be hyper-focused. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and typically I'm, you know, either I'm saying that to myself or I'm saying it to the crew, mm-hmm. you know, during a timeout or get a chance to get together. Um, maybe I might, uh, confirm with our crew. They don't forget we're shooting two free throws down here. Mm-hmm. You know, even though we've already communicated, I may communicate it again. You know, I may communicate stuff like, um, if we have a jump ball, we're going to be going white. Mm-hmm. You know, just all those things to get people thinking about something different besides the intensity of the moment. And, and believe it or not, those come in really, really handy. Uh, whatever. This team's got two fouls to give here, so be ready for a quick foul. Those kind of things. Um, but I don't know that there's a magic phrase there. Does that make sense at all? No, it does. And I, I think you're absolutely right. I think those phrases come into play more in dealing with our crew mm-hmm. than deal with anybody else. Anybody else, in those kinds of moments, it seems manufactured. It mm-hmm. seems like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm trying to take extra time or right. whatever. You know, Whereas you know, bouncing the ball two extra times just seems like you're bouncing the ball before you put yeah. it at their disposal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think those are, are big. I had a, a overtime game recently where you know multiple advancements at the end of the game obviously we go into overtime and you know part of that communication piece with each other was again you know the the slow and steady wins the race came up in the midst of that but you know everybody has different things that they do that i think are are helpful reminders to them you know you'll hear some people say, hey, you know, we're, we're high certainty calls. Well, they're all high certainty calls, right? Oh, I mean, right. Mm-hmm. you know, with, mm-hmm. you know, nine minutes in the first period, it should be a high certainty call if I'm putting air in the whistle. Right, right. But why is it we say that? We say it just again to refocus mm-hmm. and remind and do things like that. And I think those can be, you know, really interesting. And especially as the intensity amps up, sometimes it's easy to get louder Right. Because we feel like we have to be louder in order to communicate. But sometimes the greatest communication happens when we're quieter. Because mm-hmm. it forces people to lean in and hear us. Mm-hmm. And now they're really listening. Uh, and whether that's with a player, a coach, partners, whatever. Sometimes I think the way we communicate can help people take that breath. Oh, yeah. Just as well as anything else. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I think that's, there's so much truth to that, right? If you're talking to someone who's a 10, you have to talk to them and a two yeah just to get them back to a five Mm -hmm. you know and you know one of the reasons we say these phrases to our crew whether you're the crew chief or not because maybe someone hasn't realized the game has changed Mm. you know maybe they're just going along their business and you know last time they looked it was a 15 point ball game but guess what it's only four now yeah and we're coming up with a two minute mark you know, and all those, all everything's about to change. So, so that's why we do that. Hopefully, they know, right? If we mm-hmm. give two shots, hey, we're shooting the bonus down here. Hopefully, your whole crew knows. But there's times, myself included, that didn't realize we were on the fifth foul. Yeah. You know, um, so that's that's the reason we do that. There, there's a there's a method to the madness. Mm-hmm. Besides, because we st- we still, I remember, I was in a camp setting, and I used the phrase. Hey, we're in a tight ball game. We had timeout, whatever it was. We need to be hyper-focused, right? We just had a foul. It was a three-point shooter foul. We're supposed to shoot three shots. We go to a timeout, and I said, we got to be hyper-focused. got to be hyper-focused. We come back at a timeout. Guess what I do? Two shots. Two shots. I just said we're supposed to be hyper-focused. Mm-hmm. What happened between then and there? Yeah. And that's how fast it can happen. So, 
Um, I, we, we caught it. I caught it, whatever it might be, but that's, that's why it needs to be, you know, even the best of the best, the final four officials, the, you know, the, the lead eights, all those people are still making those mistakes even though they are saying phrases like hyper-focus and slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, and I'm going to throw one thing out there again for some of our, our lower-level officials. Um, we're an interesting year where this year there are multiple D3 conferences. There are a couple NAI conferences that I'm aware of that have gone to media timeouts this mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are working one night, working media. Next, we're, we, you know, the next night not, whatever. In these high-intensity moments, like they're asking about it's really easy to let some of that stuff fall through the cracks. Yes. You know, now oh, we missed the first stoppage under five and we didn't get that timeout or we missed our floater or whatever it might be. Or like you just said, it may be that that foul for the free throw is the thing that triggered the media. Mm -hmm. And now we've forgotten, oh, wait, who was supposed to shoot that? Or were we shooting two? Were we shooting, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. And so especially if you're a more experienced um official on that game that's a great time and then well, hey guys remember we got 21 on the line we're shooting one shot when we come out mm -hmm. or you know we're at we're at five and a half minutes and there's a, a a quick stoppage because we have an injury or something like that you know not something it's a timeout that triggers or whatever for mm -hmm. us and just remember hey guys we're getting really close to that media let's keep eyes on it little things like that um, can be great ways to, again, just bring down that intensity. Mm -hmm. Because I promise you, people that are new to them, it's making them tense. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. is, because they don't want to get it wrong. Right. They, they want to be on top of it. Sure. And, you know, this whole shooting, when we have shooting, uh, when we're shooting free throws from now on, media, if you're doing, I don't care if it's an eighth grade game or a Big Ten game, it doesn't make any difference. If, if your goal is to be an NCAA college official and work media games, then you should be practicing that 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 thought process, that self-talk of if we were in a media game, we would be at media now. Mm -hmm. If we were in a media game, we got one coming up. Yep. You know, I find myself every night at the six minutes, as soon as that, because if we have a media, in, for those who don't know, it's five minutes or under on any dead ball. As soon as it, I have five in the game clock, so 5.59, whatever that is, I tell myself, media's coming up, media's mm -hmm. coming up, media's coming up, all the way up and for possession after possession after possession. And then once I get to the four or, you know, the five even, I said, we're at media, we're at media, we're at media. So that way I'm already got that stuff in my head. So when we stop, I know we're supposed to go. Mm -hmm. Instead of... I believe the common people, the common mindset is when the game stops, you look up at the game clock and go, okay, it's time for the media. When you're, if you're preparing yourself for literally 60 seconds that it's coming and then however many seconds after that you're in the window that it's going to happen. Those are things that if, it, if you want to do it, then you should be working on that. Mm -hmm. And so you don't want to do it. So now we're going to talk about the two shot foul. If you work in a seventh grade game or, again, a high school varsity game, then that's all you want to work is high school varsity. Then every time you blow the whistle or someone blows a whistle, you should find out who the shooter is, even if we're not shooting. Mm -hmm. 
because if whatever you maybe they don't have a scoreboard that says the team fouls whatever that might be at least you have a shooter in your head and the score table hunk the horn hunk hey we're supposed to shoot the one and one in high school we can go oh yeah i know the shooter is 13 mm-hmm. that's we should be doing that not just when it's time we should be doing that every time the whistle blows for a foul to who would be shooting Yeah, there's a phrase that we use a ton in camps and clinics, especially on the baseball side, because a lot of what we do at baseball is is mechanic drills, Mm -hmm. uh, double play footwork, things like that, right? And there's a phrase called learn in line, Hmm. which means uh, you got 15 people that are lined up that are all going through this drill. Oh, okay. Okay, instead of me getting one rep every 15 times Mm -hmm. because of where I'm at in line, I'm going to get 15 reps. Because when everybody else does it, I'm doing it in line. I'm Mm. learning in line, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Similar thing happens when we're working some of those other games where it's not a media game. But guess what? I'm going to learn in line tonight. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to have in my mind, this is where it should have been media. Or I'm going to grab that fouler, like you just said. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to be the one staying on top of how many timeouts do we have? Or what time did we get possession? Mm -hmm. All those kinds of things Mm -hmm. are things that we can be learning in line every single night. You know, I do that. Coach my baseball team. Mm-hmm. I never used the phrase "learning line," but that's what I'm asking them to do. When when you're in the field shagging baseballs for mm-hmm. batting practice, learning line. Watch someone who's struggling at the plate and find out where that mistake's coming from. So when you get your chance at BP, you don't make those mistakes. Yeah. Or watch the person who's having great success at the plate and what are they doing. Oh, man, he's getting level sooner. You know, he's keeping those hands tight, whatever that may be. And then you are going to learn in line instead of just waiting. Oh, my turn to hit. I'll wait for a coach to tell me what to do. Yep. So yeah, you're absolutely that's right. good. Good stuff. Learn in line. I like it. All right. This is a this is a question that is so tailor-made for Jeff Cross. If it's, it's about crazy. Christmas, it is. Here yeah. we go. Here we <laughs> go. What is the funniest thing that has ever happened to you in officiating? Ooh. <laughs> right now, his brain is trying to narrow it down yeah. from the thousands of mm, options. Yeah. It's the best Jeff Cross story that he's got. It's a rather long one, but I'm going to share it with you because it's it. kind of a two-parter. All right. It's a two-parter. I think this is the best story. I'm working in Division One. I'm early in my Division One career. Uh. And uh, I'm not. I'm going to try and stay from partners' names and sure. arenas, but I'm going to do my best. But anyway, I'm early in my Division One officiating career. My partner calls a foul at lead. As they call the foul, you know they put their fist up and then they put two fingers up, say two shots. Now I'm at trail, so now we're going to switch, right? Because they're going to go report the foul, and I'm going to go take their spot and line things up because it's a shooting foul. My partner says two shots. I say, as I'm walking by them, that's the ball went in. It's one shot. Partner reports foul, count to basket, whatever it is, hit, one shot, turn around. Now, this is in the first half, so now we're in front of the team that just fouled his bench. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing in the middle of the lane, and I look at my partner, and she – Oops, I said she, but oh well. <laughs> they, they look at me and like lip, thank you for mm-hmm. letting them know the ball yeah. went in. 
And I'm feeling all warm and fuzzy, you know, like, oh, man, I just, you know, I'm early in my Division One career. I just helped this Superman. official out. This is feeling good. Before I even got over that emotion, the coach who just fouled that team is literally, I mean, you could see them through my partners in one ear, out the ear, yelling, <laughs> screaming, oh, very, very upset. The ball didn't go in. The ball didn't go in. The ball didn't go in. So here comes my partner to me, Jeff. Are, are you sure that ball went in? And my answer was, not anymore. <laughs> Just not anymore. I was, but I'm not anymore. I am not. I really felt good about it, but I just don't feel good about it anymore. <laughs> so we ask our third. Third didn't know. We ask the scorer's table. And the scorer's table, you know, it was – it wasn't the best scorer's table, and I always joke that the one of the people at the at the at the scorer's table had some real thick glasses on, looked like mm-hmm. Mr. Magoo. Yeah, you know, we're asking them, and he's like, "Oh yeah, it went in," you know, and we're you know, everyone agreed that it went in except for this offended coach. Okay, so we continue on. This game goes in overtime. Oh. Bottom line, you know, I think we ended up having a technical foul. You know, all these things happen, right? Bottom line, we get an email the next morning, and it's literally t- titled, FYI, the ball didn't go in. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we felt good about it. We're like, you know, back then we didn't have video right away. We sure. didn't have monitors. We didn't have none of that stuff. So we, we were just like, you know, and the crew chief's like, you know, do you think I should call the boss? I'm like, ah, it's fine. We, you know, it's good. You know, we did good. So I'm so such an idiot back then. <laughs> And we we uh we go for dinner, you know, it's a whole thing. Like I said, the email comes through it you know, our boss is on Eastern time zone, so at eight o'clock in the morning they send the email, which is seven our time. Sure. Or, and it's just labeled, labeled FYI the ball didn't go in. Oh, of course no. we're on the phone. Call the crew chief first. Sure. Boss just lights up the crew chief. The crew chief calls me and says, you know, I just got tore up. You know, I am crying. I'm, I may never work basketball again. Of course, the boss is on the phone with me. Sure. Same scenario. I'm like, what, you know, I better reinvest in my regular job here again. <laughs> you know, all those things. So we get through it, right? We, we, we survive in some way, shape, or form. We don't know how. Literally the next day. Now, like I said, I'm early in my Division One career, so I'm still working high school basketball. Mm-hmm. So it's a Saturday morning. I've got a 9 a.m. Wait, I got, you know, I, I share this information with a lot of my friends, right? Sure. And I shared that information with my partner who I was working with the next day. I thought, like, this is what I just did yesterday. You know, I really messed it up. Um, and his name is Sam Nicholas, a good friend of mine. Um, so we're working this freshman A-B game. And, you know, we're just working. He knows the whole story. He's like, ah, oh, you know, whatever. And whatever he said. We work the game. I'll be darned if Sam doesn't call a foul and doesn't count the basket. <laughs> it's always how it works, isn't it? I'm, I'm like, dude, I know I saw that ball go in, right? But now I'm like, do I have the courage to even say anything? Do, what do I do Get here? Get a freshman A-B game. I'm so like, it. yeah, I'm a hot mess, right? So I'm like, so we cross, right? We cross past just two of us. I'm like. Sam, that ball went in. We go 
He takes like two or three more steps and he does this, you know, 360 whip around, looks at me and I'm looking at him. He goes, can I trust you? (laughs) (laughs) Telling you what I, I laughed and I laughed. And of course he, for all I know, he was setting me up maybe because sure. he already knew the story, but whatever it was. But I, like I said, two-part story, I survived. It is the moment that I will remember probably for as long as I live, knowing how much trouble I got in, Sure, how funny it ended up being the next day. And, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, on the serious note, a lot of people that would, that could ruin their career. Yeah. I really had to shape up or ship out, mm-hmm. for lack of better terms. After that event. So, yeah, that was a funny, funny sequence of two days that I thought, well, what have I got myself into? So, yeah, uh, that's it. Count of the basket. So Wasn't supposed to go. Wrong team won. So. <laughs> well, I, uh, when I was just starting out in baseball, uh, I mean, I think this was my second season working. I was working uh, an event up in the city and. I was working with a guy that in the Chicagoland area is a legend. I mean, has done it forever than anything you could imagine. And it's two two person crew. Uh, we were working two games that day. I'd had my plate game first. Everything had gone real smoothly. Everything. Now I'm out on the bases. And the guy that I was working with was was quite literally at the end of his career. It was the last year or two he ever worked before he came off field. And you know, as officials, I don't care what sport you work. You know those things in your mind that you would love to say to a coach or a player, <laughs> but your filter is engaged so it doesn't get out your mouth, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully, it doesn't get out because there are things that you could say that get you in trouble, sure. that kind of stuff. Well, let's just say that this partner showed me what it was like when you get to the point of your career that you just don't care about engaging the filter anymore, <laughs> right? So I'd have my game. Things had gone smooth. And it, there's one of the coaches that I think every call this guy made on the bases, this coach had some comment for. And uh, coach was in a third base, you know, coach's box. Yeah, and that's right. where, where he would coach and all. And, he, you know, he's making comments about stuff at first base and second base from all the way over in the third base coach's box. And, you know, but, it, you know, guy just shrugged it off, kept going. You have that happen all the time. Now we're in his plate game. And uh, for those of you that work baseball at all, we – on a two-man crew, we don't typically get together and talk unless there's an issue. But this was a, it was a special event. And so every couple innings or so, we'd get together between home plate and first base uh, while the teams were warming up in between innings. So we were in the fourth or fifth inning. Um, and this coach down in third base box had been just, just tearing my partner's strike zone to pieces hmm. the entire game. And my partner hadn't said a word. And that was not like him. Normally, he's the kind of guy that would just shut that stuff down pretty quickly. Yeah. And every once in a while, he'd look at me and just give me this little grin. And so I knew something was up. I just didn't know <laughs> what it was that was up. And so uh, we we got together in between home plate and first base. And uh, we're getting ready to start the next inning. And this coach's team is getting ready to come up to bat. And so he said, you just need to be ready to play rodeo clown. And I'm like, what do you mean? He said, he said, I'm just telling you, there's going to be an ejection really soon. (laughs) So he said, just get ready. So I'm on heightened alert, right? So I trot down first base and I'm getting ready and I'm looking. I'm just, you know, it's the first thing he says. He's just going to toss him. What's he going to do, right? So my partner trots back down to home plate and then runs up 
to the third base coach's box. Stands right next to the coach. Oh, my goodness. Puts his mask on, gets down into a crouch, points at the pitcher and says, play. (laughs) (laughs) I am like, what in the world is going on? And the coach is going, what are you doing? What are you doing? And the pitcher throws a pitch and he goes, straight. (laughs) And this coach is coming unglued. And I'm all the way across the diamond. And the, the guy, and he says it so loud that everybody in the stadium can hear. And this was, it was a fairly big event. There were tons of people there and everything and all. And he turns to the coach and says, Coach, I just want you to know, I take a lot of pride in my ability to call balls and strikes. And apparently, the best place on a baseball field to see balls and strikes is right here in this third base coach's box. Because you've been telling me all the ones I've been getting wrong all game long. And I want to be a good umpire, so I'm going to call balls and strikes right here, coach. (laughs) He set that coach up, and that Mm -hmm. coach goes off, and he turns and dumps him. And he is almost strutting on the way back down to to the home plate. And the guy is just following it all in his ear so i run over there and i play rodeo clown to get the coach out of thing which i was doing everything i could to keep from just laughing in the guy's face as i do it because he was so set up in the midst of all that but that is by far the funniest thing i've ever experienced if you are a newer official listening today you do not do that you do not do that until you are ready to be done (laughs) and you no longer care about the filter being engaged oh my goodness that is hilarious you know i my my baseball story is not as funny as that one. But I have a couple, you know, because I spent some time working baseball with my good friend, Sam. Yeah. And one is real short. I'm on the bases and, you know, there's a base hit to the outfield. And like you come in and you do your little button hook, you watch them touch first base. And then you kind of you know, go over to second base if it's going to be a double. If not, you go back to first, right? It's like the first inning, whatever it is early in the game. It's junior college game. And base hit happens. I go through my mandatory button hook, whatever it is. And I go to do a turnaround. Somehow my feet get tingled up, right? And I literally fall backwards, right? So I'm on my back looking at the sun. And my feet go all the way over my head. I come back and I stand up, right? (laughs) I stand up. I am like, I've done a complete flip. And Sam's watching me. He looked at me and the, the, the coach from the, I forget which team he was, but he goes out there. He was always pretty vocal. And he goes, what the hell is going on out there? <laughs> and I'm like trying to, you know, my glasses are all crooked, you know, my hat's on backwards now. I was in a hot mess. So that, that was me messing up. But the one about an ejection is I'm on the plate. My buddy Sam is on the bases and we're doing a game at a NAIA school and my buddy Sam makes a call that doesn't go in favor of the team that's on the bases. And the first base coach decided to argue it, right? Well, in a normal situation, you're supposed to kind of run off and go and, you know, stand at 45 and, you know, watch the play. And I probably did that, but I thought it was really, I didn't think it was that, it was a close play, but it wasn't a big deal. So I kind of started to go back to the plate. Well, the first base coach started to argue with Sam. And then, like, I'm so now I'm 90 plus feet away, right? <laughs> and of course, it got elevated real, real quick. And 
the first base coach ends up bumping my partner Sam, oh, right? No. You know, big no no, right? right? And I'm literally standing behind the plate going, I'm watching with my big eyes. And I know Sam's like, oh, okay, where's my partner at? I'm like, yeah. I'm coming, bro. I'm coming, man. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, Sam could have been hit three different times, but I, and he, we got over. He's like, where? Were you, dude? I'm like, man, I was getting ready to call balls and strikes, man. So my my buddy Sam, he put he he helped me through a lot of things, and so, but those are great stories. Yeah, you know, and I, I think it's a great way for us to wrap up today. It, it, it's a reminder. I don't care what sport you're going to work this week, what what things you're working on, or if it's just work or home or wherever. Mm-hmm. Man, there is joy in so many different things even in mistakes like mm-hmm. you said you know mm-hmm. here you had that massive mistake that happened that yeah. could, and now you look back on it and you laugh and it's fun mm-hmm. and uh, i think that helps us put things in perspective i think that's something that can be uncommon mm-hmm. about the way that we we do things you know we say that we use this lens of sports officiating to look at life and mm-hmm. leadership and legacy and and ultimately the legacy that we leave uh, if if we can leave a legacy where people look back and smile, mm-hmm. people look back and uh, and are reminded of those good moments, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's a pretty great legacy to be able to leave. Yeah, it's uh, listen. I always wonder what they're going to say at my funeral, and then my guess is that story will come up. There you go. That's awesome. <laughs> so. Everybody have a great week. Hope you have awesome games, great windshield time, and we'll talk to you again next week. Have a good week, guys. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.